God has no greater joy than to hear that His children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's Word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries Podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Posey. Hello there. Welcome back to our One Truth Ministries podcast. Ashley Posteen here. Wow, we have already come such a long way in our study of God Almighty, haven't we? If you've been with us through these podcasts, we have been studying the incommunicable attributes of God. What I mean by that is we've been studying those attributes Um, that are specific to God, those attributes of His that we as humans do not share. And so we've been making our way through some of these very vast, very uh, incredible attributes of our God, His solitariness, um, His sovereignty, His superiority, uh, so many that we have walked through, His transcendence, His eminence. And I encourage you, if you have missed any of those, go back into the archives, listen, because I got to tell you, probably the most powerful study personally that I have done has been studying who our God is. I want us to remember what we said from the very beginning. I know it's been a little while. We were on break for holidays. Now we're back again as we wrap this up. So today is going to conclude our study on the incommunicable attributes of God. We're then going to begin a whole other study next week. I really encourage you to join us for that. But I do want to tell you, pay attention, because coming up in the not-too-far-off future, we will go back to the attributes of God and cover the communicable attributes of God at a later date. But today, we will be finishing up that section, the incommunicable attributes of God. Uh, Jesus tells us, this is eternal life, that they know you, speaking about God, that we know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This is eternal life, that we know him, that we know him. God takes this so seriously. And so this is why we have been studying who God is, what God is like. There has been so much ground covered, in fact, as we have studied the incommunicable attributes of God, that I truly do believe it is good and necessary to take this week, this moment, and just contemplate this great God who we have come to know more of. In fact, the title of this week's segment is The Contemplation of God. Like I said, we've been making our way through such attributes like the transcendence of God and the eminence of God, the sovereignty of God, uh, the omnipresence, the omnipotence, the omniscience of God. And today we're going to conclude with this title, The Contemplation of God. I had told you earlier, um, in fact, I guess it would have been last year now since we're in January, but last year, Um, my prayer was, is that we could have a clearer vision of God. And I pray that is exactly what we have been gaining, that we are seeing God even more clearly. Just like we have said from the very beginning, there is no greater pursuit for us than the pursuit of knowing our God. There's no greater purpose that we have on this earth, nothing more fulfilling, nothing more healing, nothing more powerful than knowing our God. And just to remind us of this, I want you to hear from the master preacher on this subject. I've I've got to just do it at least this once. I'm going to give you a pretty long quote. I want you to listen because it is absolutely mind-blowing, so powerful. So I want you to hear this from the master preacher. Now, 
I will say he is the most quoted preacher I know of. And this is, in fact, just a little saying many pastors have used about him, uh, starting from quite a long time ago, but I have to just tell it to you because it's super cute to me. Um, So there's this little poem that I've heard preachers use, (laughs) and it says this, There once was a man named Spurgy who really hated liturgy, but his words were fine, so I use them as mine, myself, and the rest of the clergy. (laughs) And I just find it so cute, but also so true. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, if you um, know anything about him, one of the greatest preachers, greatest minds for Christ, um, you know, in in this world, I believe, of course, there are so many, but he's one of them. And, um, you know, so this little poem here talks about pastors, of course, choosing to use his own words as theirs. Um, And it's just kind of funny, but I want to share this with you. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon from around 1855. And this is what he had to say about this particular subject. He says this, It has been said that the proper study of mankind is man. I believe it is equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity. So deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. Other subjects we can grapple with. In them, we feel a kind of self-content and we go our way with the thought, behold, I am wise. But when we come to this master science, finding that our plumb line cannot sound its depth and that our eagle eye cannot see its height, we turn away with the thought that I am but of yesterday and know nothing. No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul is the science of Christ and Him crucified and the knowledge of the Godhead in the glorious Trinity. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. And while humbling and expanding, this subject is eminently consolatory. Oh, there is in contemplating Christ a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Ghost, there is a balsam for every sore. Would you lose your sorrow? Would you drown your cares? Then go, plunge yourself into the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in His immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, Refreshed and invigorated, I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swallowing billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. It is to that subject that I invite you this morning.
My goodness, do we need to say any more? I mean, I feel like that's just a drop the mic, walk away kind of a moment for Charles Spurgeon, maybe for us as well. Like I said, the very first time I started this series, there is no greater pursuit than the pursuit of God himself. There is no greater way to spend our time or our minds than on the deep contemplation of the one who is before all things, who is after all things, who is beneath all things, above all things, outside of all things. We will find no greater healing for our souls than in the meditation of the one who is self-existent, who is imminent, who is immutable and all-powerful, who sustains all things and holds all things together, and yet is the one who has revealed himself to us, who desires for us to know him. Would we refuse such an offer? I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind sometimes? God wants us to know him. You see, we've been learning a lot about God so far uh, in our study. In fact, so much so that it is important to be reminded at this point that our goal has not just been to know about God, but to know God. You see, knowing about God is important and will certainly aid us in knowing God. However, knowing about God is not the end goal that we are desiring. You have heard that it's not just head knowledge that's needed, but a deep, intimate head or heart knowledge. We want and we need to take what we know about God and spend time with Him, meditating on all that He is. All that we have been studying should lead us into further intimacy with our Creator. It can never end in just head knowledge, friends. God wants us to spend time with Him, to seek Him, to know Him. I mean, I want you to think about your human relationships. I'd be devastated if my husband only knew about me. He could recite facts to you, but he never spent time knowing me. The intricacies, my personality, my heart, what makes me sore, what makes me sad. I mean, all of these things come from a relationship with each other. Now, of course, it's important to know those facts, and we do need to know about somebody. And then you take that, and you start relationship with them. I mean, how do we do this? Okay, so we don't just want head knowledge, but we want to seek Him. We want to know Him. How do we do this? How do we take all that we've learned about God so far and use that to know God? I'm going to tell you something. This will happen as we take each truth that we have learned about God and turn it into the subject of our meditation and contemplation before God, leading us into deeper intimacy with God. I want to say all that to you again because it's important. How we will take all that we've learned about God and actually come to know God is this happens when we take each truth we've learned about God and turn it into the subject of our meditation and contemplation before God, leading us into deeper intimacy with God. This takes time, time and determination on our parts because growing in our relationship with God, it's both simple and demanding, isn't it? It's going to mean us setting aside time to simply be with God and to think on all that He is. 
I'm just thinking about it. God has been reminding us, and I mean, I don't know about you, but He's certainly been reminding me that He has given us such great gifts, such great gifts. I hope you know that. Your Heavenly Father has given you such incredible gifts. If you feel like, man, I've never got anything in this world, that's not true. Your Father has given you such great gifts. One of them is the gift of the freedom to choose the focal points of our minds. Do you understand that? We actually get to choose where we will focus our thoughts. We have the power to bring every thought into submission to him and to allow every thought to be about him. Do you know we have the option of that? It really doesn't matter what's going on around you. I have walked through some pretty uh, hard times as so many of you have. And what's so interesting is I can be walking through something terrible maybe some bad news, maybe some financial struggles, maybe some relational struggles. I can be walking through those things and yet be at such a place of joy and peace inside of me because my mind can't stop thinking about my Savior, because my mind is so fixated on eternity with Him, because I'm contemplating Him, because I'm spending time walking with Him and knowing Him. Sure, I'm walking through these hard times, but they are not penetrating my soul because God owns and occupies that space. And you see, that's a choice I get to make. I either get to choose to put my thoughts and put my attention on the hardships of this world that I am walking through, or I can choose to make God the focus of my heart, the focus of my eyes, the focus of my thoughts, and in turn, have a deeper, intimate relationship with Him. We get to choose. This is where freedom will be experienced. Like I said, we have the power to bring every thought into submission to Him, to allow every thought to be about Him. This focus on God alone is what brings joy and peace and what will untangle the thoughts that are already tangled. This place of meditation on who God is will bring clarity and make clear those things that are confused in our lives and in our minds. The question, though, is will we take the time to be with Him and let him speak to us and reveal himself to us as the pondering of our hearts are filled with him alone. Because this truly is the one thing that's needed. I want to remind you of a very familiar passage, I'm sure to most of you. This passage about Mary and Martha found in Luke chapter 10. I'm just going to read verses 38 through 42 uh, to us today. But just to remember this moment As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, But few things are actually needed. Indeed, there is only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I don't know about you, but I constantly need reminded of that. 
I am a hostess. I love hosting. I am very much a people person and I love a full house. Uh, you know, I, through the holidays, I do crazy things. I make a whole calendar of holiday events for my whole family and love to host them. And I found that to be true. Even this past holiday season, there was so much preparation that needed to be made when you're talking feeding that many people and that many activities going on. And I had to really make myself aware of this, that actually in the grand scheme of things, there's really one thing that's needed. And it's not whether or not you have the perfect side to go with your dinner. It's not really if this Christmas game is going to be played this night. There really in life is one thing that's actually needed. And that is sitting at the feet of Christ, getting to know Him better, getting to know Him to hear him, to contemplate on him. Psalm 63 verses five through six, David said this, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. He goes on to say this. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will rejoice in him. While the mouth of liars will be silenced. The single greatest reason that I hear and that I understand is that there is no time to sit with God. That's something that I hear quite frequently. It's something that I will complain about often. There's just too much going on. Well, after hearing this Psalm of David, I want to tell you something. David had a lot going on too. And don't think any differently. Life was not easy for him. He had people relentlessly on the hunt for him, trying to kill him. Anyone right now being hunted by a person? I mean, not too many of us can say that we are. We're not actively being hunted by an army, by an evil king, by maniacal, my, 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 oh my goodness, by murderous, let's go with that one, people who are on the hunt for us. And yet David was. David had more duties than we could ever know as king of a nation. I mean, honestly, can we just throw a little shade here and be real? Harry and Meghan had enough with the royal family. They, They just couldn't take it. They quit. Not David. Not David. Yet he would remember God in his mind. He found enough time to be with his God and to know him more. In fact, he said he hungered, he thirsted, he longed for it more than anything else in this world. He would think on God all throughout the night. He would earnestly seek him. His whole body would long for God like a person desperate for water because he had beheld what God was like. He just couldn't stop thinking about him. Even in the midst of people wanting to take his life, he was able to rejoice because he was in God's presence thinking on him. Battle would come second. Preserving himself 
would come second. Kingly duties would come second. Sleep would even come second. First would be David earnestly seeking God. I have to wonder today, what is our first? What is our first? We're really good at this, aren't we? Where, you know, we'll know what we should do, but first we just need to do X, Y, Z. My goodness, my kids use that as an excuse all the time with me. And I know I have used that as an excuse with the Lord. Okay, yes, Lord, I hear you. You're calling to me. I want to sit down with you and just be with you. And Oh, just focus on you. But first, let me go ahead and get these dishes done. Let me get this dinner in. Let me go ahead and return this phone call because I know they're waiting on me. Uh-uh. No, you see, David had his priorities straight. Christ teaches us to have our priorities straight. Everything else can come second. First, we seek to know our God. First, we will sit with Him. We will listen to Him. We will come to know Him. Communion with God is the most important thing we do, no matter how urgent everything else may seem. There is no impact without intimacy. I want somebody to hear me today. You want to impact this world for the kingdom of God? I'm going to tell you a secret that's not totally a secret. There is no impact in ministry without intimacy with Christ. There is no impact in this world without intimacy with Christ. There is no movement for the kingdom without meditation on the king. Somebody say amen. There is no communion without contemplation. I'm going to say it all one more time. There is no impact without intimacy. There is no movement for the kingdom without meditation on the king. There is no communion without contemplation. We cannot know who our God is without taking the time to know who our God is. It is focus on our one true love. Think about how much you think about the ones you love. I mean, honestly, think about this in your day. How much time do you spend thinking about the ones you love? You spend time thinking about who they are, what you know about them, and how that helps you to further know them. You spend time thinking about what brings them joy, what, it, what is extraordinary about them, how you can bless them, what you can do for them. I mean, have we honestly forgotten about our first love? If we want to know God, are we spending time thinking on Him, being with Him, pouring out focused att- attention and affection towards Him? God wants to meet us there. He wants to be understood. He wants to be admired. He wants to be known. But He also wants to help us understand Him, admire Him, and know Him. Psalm 104 verse 34 says, my meditation of him shall be sweet. So I want to give you just as we end this time together, a few uh, possibly practical ways to implement this into our life. Number one, the action is meditation or contemplation. Remember, we're talking about the contemplation of our God. So the action needs to be a, a, a contemplation. Right, we're actually going to take time to meditate and to contemplate. That's the action. The subject is very important. What is the subject of our contemplation? Him, God, and all that he has revealed himself to be. The outcome of that, just like David said in Psalm 104, 34, it will be sweet. Just listen to that very small verse. My meditation of him 
shall be sweet. The action that we are to take is contemplation. The subject is our great God and the outcome we know will be sweet. Here's another way you can do this and put this into practice. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and just know that I am God. To be still means to be weak, to let go and to release. Can you come to a place where he just, you just let yourself be weak in yourself. You stop putting up a front of strength. You stop trying to take on the world and you just say, you know what? In my human state, I am weak. And you just let go. You release everything that you've been holding on to. God says, be still, just stop. Let go of the world. Let go of its lists, its demands, its everything you've got to do. Be still and know. To know means we know by observing and reflecting. That's what that word in the Greek, or I mean the Hebrew, excuse me, means to know. It means to know by observing and reflecting or thinking on and to know by experience. So God says, be still. I want you to observe who I am, reflect on who I am and experience who I am. Be still and know I am God. That is his name. When he says, I am God, I hope we all know exactly what he's talking about right there. He's bringing us back to his very name. I am that I am. He is pointing us to his name and to all that that means. Remember a Hebrew name pointed to the full characteristic of a person. I am God. His name, all that it means, his characteristic, his attributes, the Godhead, be still, let go, and know, know by observing, know by thinking on, and know by experiencing that I am God. Know all there is to know about me, everything I've revealed about myself, my characteristics, my attributes. God is calling us to that today. And I want to say, let's do it. Let's do this. Let's take a moment to move from just thinking about all this information and let us take that information in in order to deepen our relationship with God. This is application in action. What do we do with all of this? We use it to contemplate our God, to spend time dwelling on, meditating on, acknowledging who our God is. Because I'm going to tell you, it is here that we will find healing that we will find peace, we will find joy, we will find rest, not in trying to get him to tell you all about you, what you should do, what decision you should make, what your future holds. It's not in chasing answers that we are made whole, but in quieting our soul and with fixed determination, giving our minds over to think all about him. I want to encourage you with this one last thing. Open your Bibles, open your hearts, have no agenda, Just come sit at his feet in order to know him more. Thank him, praise him, see what he says. Don't put him in a box because I'm telling you he can speak in any way he wants to. I want you to think about some of the attributes that we have already went through during our study. I want you to think about, you know, when you come to him and you sit down, have this list of attributes in front of you, the solitariness of God. That means God is God alone. The self-existence of God. God exists in and of himself, independent of everything, needing nothing. 
the sovereignty of God. God is on the throne. He is in charge. He is in control. He is king. He is sovereign. He is subject to none, governed by none. He is absolutely independent of all, and he is absolute authority over all. The sovereignty of God. Think on the supremacy of God. God has all dominion. Think of the omnipotence of God. God is all powerful. Think of the omnipresence of God. God is all present. The omniscience of God. God is all knowing. The transcendence of God. God is wholly other than everything existing beyond the normal and physical level above and beyond us. And yet also spend time meditating on the imminence of God. God in his creation, dwelling within us and with us. How about the immutability of God? God never changes. The infinitude of God. God has no limits. The perfection of our God. God is entirely without fault or defect. Flawless, absolutely complete. This is what we're talking about right now is take that list. If you don't have it in front of you, just go back, rewind this, write it down. Take one of those a day, one of those a week, one of those a month, however the Lord leads you to him. And bring that before God, sit at his feet and just contemplate one of those attributes. In fact, one of the things you could do is ask God, which of these attributes is he asking you to think on right now? Read some scriptures that share with you more about each one of those attributes. Let your mind expand as you think on what they tell you about your God. And ask yourself these questions. What does this truth about God mean to this world? In fact, let me, let me go back. I just, I want to give you one extra one to put in there. I believe you need to start with this question. What does this truth reveal to me about God? Always start there. I, I think that's pretty obvious, but in case not, I wanted to state it. What does this truth, when you bring an attribute before the Lord as you're going to sit and contemplate and meditate on that attribute, what does that truth reveal to you about who your God is? What does that truth reveal to you as far as uh, about, um, what does that truth about God mean to this world? My goodness, I'm getting tongue-tied. And what does it mean to you personally? What does that truth that God has revealed about himself mean to you personally? What is God saying to you today as you think on him? Does this bring to your heart a need to repent or a need to change? Does it bring to your heart the need to praise him? If so, write it down, write it down, share it with him. How does meditating on each of these specific attributes challenge you to grow? In what areas do you want to see growth? Here's what I'm wanting to encourage you. Turn that attribute into a prayer, write it down and spend time contemplating our great God. This is what we have been studying for, not just for head knowledge, but for heart knowledge that we would come before our King and that we would begin to put this into practice, that we would just think on him, worship him for who he is, know him for who he is, because now we can say, okay, God, what does the fact that you are omnipotent reveal to me about you? What does this declare to me about the truth of who you are? And guess what? You're going to come to know God even more. Then you can say, okay, because I know God is omnipotent, how do I view this world in light of that truth? And all of a sudden, you're going to start walking in this world a little different, a little lighter, because you go, hold on, hold on. My God is all 
powerful. That means there is nothing in this world that holds power above him. He and he alone is all powerful. My God is sovereign. That means he is Lord over all, which means this, guess what? Nothing in this world gets to be Lord over anything. He is the one in control. He is the one in charge. My God is all knowing. What does that mean? My God is transcendent. What does that mean? So we start going through these and we start asking ourselves, okay, how do I view the world in light of this truth? How do I view myself in light of this truth? And begin to confess to him, begin to praise him, begin to worship him, begin to call out on the name of God because we are knowing who our God is. Amen. Take some time this week and participate in the contemplation of our God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And Lord, I just want to ask that you would just flood our souls and our minds with thoughts of you, that we would spend time in our day just reminiscing, ruminating, meditating, contemplating on the truth of who you are. And may it change forever how we view this world and how we view ourselves. May we walk closer with you because of what we are learning, because of the time spent with you. May we be like Mary, because there is one thing that's needed, and that is relationship with you. God, that we may know you for that is eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed, blessed week. Don't forget to check out our website, onetruth-ministries.com. Check it out. There are ways for you to send in prayer requests. You'll find out everything that is upcoming. We've got a lot of new stuff happening. We have got a daily radio program kicking off starting Monday. It's going to be Monday through Friday. It's so cool what God has opened up. We've got a weekly power punch coming uh, on video YouTube. Please, please subscribe to the YouTube page as we'll start moving most of our stuff over there. You can check it out on Facebook, um, Instagram, but that's going to be every Wednesday is something called power punch. We are going to be exploring the answers to the big questions in life, tackling one a week. It's gonna be short, maybe 15 minutes at the most. So I wanna encourage you to check that out on Wednesdays. Those videos will be posted. Daily radio shows be back here every Friday for podcast. We will see you next week. Have a blessed week.